So good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, or good whenever you're listening to this episode. Welcome to the MSA podcast. My name is Salha, and I'll be your host for this evening. Um, so before we jump into this episode, I just want to say welcome back, everyone, to the second episode of the year 2021 to 2022. Um, and I just pray this year brings with it immense success for each and every one of you. And thank you for tuning in to listen to us today. So today's episode is going to be a very lighthearted and fun episode, inshallah. Our guest this evening is Dr. Muhammad Al-Azma, who has very graciously taken the time to join us today out of his busy schedule. Um, so we're very honored. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Muhammad. So um, uh, Dr. Muhammad is an internal medicine resident uh, currently in PGY3 at King Faisal Specialist Hospital. Um, and he was a member of Faisal's sixth batch, so he graduated in 2018. And um, yeah, so he's here with us today. So uh, welcome, Dr. Muhammad. Thank you so much, uh, Salha, for this uh, introduction. It brings me great pleasure to be here with you. I'm really thankful for the invitation. It's always good to go to go back home uh, to Al Faisal. As I always say, it's Al Faisal is always my second home and will be my second home forever. It's great to have you and thank you so much for joining us. I understand you're very busy and this must be one of the very few times that we can actually have you here. So um, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be um, here. And uh, I know what everyone is probably thinking right now. Oh, this episode is going to be another one of those episodes where they talk about how to apply for residency and how to match and how to do your CV and stuff. This is not going to be an episode like that. Inshallah, this episode is going to be super fun and super light and we really just want to highlight like the best and worst parts of residency and just um you know we want to hear it from a resident who's in their third year now and mashallah like you just have this year and one more year left right inshallah inshallah um so yeah that's really what this episode is going to be about uh so uh dr muhammad why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so the first thing to start with, please call me uh, Muhammad, Muhammad without doctor. Yes, th- okay. that's yeah. It was still like the students, interns, even like my juniors. Please uh, just don't make it formal. Okay. <laughs> okay. Take out the formality. Just go ahead. Muhammad okay. is more than enough for me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've heard, I understand that you're um, that you've also been part of MSA before before yeah. you uh, mm. graduated. So what would you do in MSA? What were you doing? So I was member like of many uh, committees, uh, public relations, student affairs. Uh, like we used to work on many events together. Like uh, no matter what department I was belong on, it was like always a group work. Oh okay okay. So, yeah. Do you miss that? Yes a lot. Yeah. But yeah, especially like when uh, COVID comes, there was no activities either like here or in the hospital. That is true. It was, uh, it was just boring for me. Yeah. So now that you've, um, you know, you've completed full two years of residency, you're in your third year. What do you think is the biggest difference between being a student versus being a resident? Uh, residency is much more responsibility. Like you are, there are patients directly assigned under your name. So whatever, what no matter what happens to the patient, this is it's your responsibility at the end. Uh, although you have like uh, you have a supervisor, like senior, fellow, or a consultant, but uh, internally you feel like you own, you own this patient. Uh, this patient, he, he has a family. He is sick. He is in the hospital. He has uh, he has kids. He has job to do. So you always do your best to get out safe and like with better uh, mm-hmm. health uh, situation. So you feel directly accountable for, for a patient? Yeah, you feel like you have to be connected to your patients, yeah. It's kind of scary sometimes. Yeah, it's just <laughs> 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 Do you remember your first ever patient? 
Uh, yeah, I do. You do? Yeah, so tell I us do. about your first ever uh, It was a bitch like in the 60s. He presented with the stroke out of the window. Uh, he has like uh, left-sided weakness. Mm-hmm. And the, the usual, the, he did well. Like he, did like well. he presented like 48 hours of his like initial symptoms. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Mm. And did he like have a full recovery and everything? Uh, no, he had partial. But like was the, by time by time they improved, they do well. Okay, mm. And how was it like, like your first ever patient? What year of residency was this? It was in October uh, 2019. 2019. That's w- when we started our uh, residency. And what was yeah. it like? What was it like? Uh, it was general medicine uh, uh, service. Oh, okay, okay. So you are doing your internal me- medicine residency. Mm-hmm. What was the one thing that made you choose I am? over everything else yeah, actually when i started my um, uh, clinical years uh, back in year four uh, it was the first uh, rotation that i began with it was oh, internal medicine okay i immediately fell in love with it <laughs> Trust really me. yeah yeah over everything else over everything yeah oh okay okay I haven't done internal medicine myself yet. I just, I'm in fourth year currently. Mm-hmm. I just p- did pediatrics. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. A lot of people say it's really interesting. Yeah, it's really, really inshallah. nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see, inshallah. Um, and did you have, did you ever have any other specialties in mind? Like before you did your clinical years? Uh, mainly, uh, mainly it was more towards uh, cardiology. Which is, which is okay. part of internal medicine. Uh, okay, so you okay. have to start with medicine, then you proceed with uh, with cardiology. I actually want to do cardiology too. Uh, I have mm, a few options. Mm. One is neurology, but one is cardiology. Mm. It's been it's been you know one of my top three. Um, so are you considering to you know are you going to consider cardiology yeah, future in the future? Yeah, oh, okay, inshallah. He yeah. was born to be a cardiologist. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> yeah. Oh, inshallah, may Allah grant you mm. success. Um, okay, so you told us about your first patient. What about a patient that you would never forget? Like something that really stuck with you, that really you know stayed in your heart. Tell us about that. So during my first year of uh, residency, I was covering cardiology service. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on call during like e- uh, weekend on call, either like Friday or uh, Saturday. Uh, they called me a patient who has a pain in his left uh, foot. So I give him like paracetamol over the phone. The pain did not improve. I give him mm-hmm. like IV, stronger uh, medication, didn't improve. Then I decided to go and see the patient myself. Why he's not improving? Mm-hmm. It's like something very short uh, happened, like for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. So the patient he had, he had advanced uh, heart failure. He had like severe symptoms. He had lower limb edema. Mm-hmm. He was not compliant to his medications. Uh-oh. He was refusing our treatment. So Uh-oh. like I I saw him like two hours before this episode, and he was fine. He was okay. like. Uh, as usual, I, we entered to, to I entered the, to, to the room with the, with the assistant consultant. He refused our treatment. Uh, he was staying like for nothing, and uh, I gave him like pain medication. Mm-hmm. I came to assess him. Uh, the thing that he was obese and he he has like lower limb uh, edema, which mm-hmm. is accumulation of fluid. But like I was uh, trying uh, to to feel the pulse. Mm-hmm. And his foot, uh, the right side I was able to feel, but the left side I was not able to feel. Oh, no. But like I was not sure, like is it because of his situation or because right, of, right. of my because like we don't do this uh, more often. Uh-huh. It's because like, of my my clinical skills of mm-hmm. his situation, so I was not sure. Uh, so I sent like for uh, some uh, laboratory investigations. 
scans any scans i don't know scans. No, the okay. only labs test oh, okay, i okay. sent for lactic acid uh, which uh, gives an idea about the uh, tissue perfusion and came back striking very very high oh, yes okay. very, very high this was indicating like he has uh, some sort of uh, lower limb uh, ischemia uh, oh. so i immediately called the vascular surgeon who it happened that the the one who i called was a fellow he worked with during my internship so like we knew each other i told oh, okay, uh, yeah, okay. i told her this is a situation i couldn't i was unable to feel the pulse the lactic acid is very high and mm-hmm. she told me okay i'm coming to you and we when uh, when she came to me and assessed the patient together she told me okay listen like i work with you i i know who you are mm-hmm. so i took your complaint very seriously mm-hmm. i felt happy about this uh, uh yes he had severe lower limb uh, ischemia unfortunately he was not a candidate for any uh, surgeries and he died like uh, three or four days uh, he after died that. three or four days yes. later oh yeah. Allah mm. and um did you manage to find out like why he had lower limb ischemia uh because of like per poor situation oh just yes. generally overall? yes atherosclerosis ah, aging okay, okay, yes okay. it was diabetic yeah and this case stuck with you because because you just felt overwhelmed that this um the person that you called trusted you so much and this man as well yeah exactly yeah oh, yeah. i understand um it must have been such you must have felt like such a responsibility yeah yeah feeling like oh this person was relying on you Yes, exactly. They were yeah, the, they yeah. were the one person. You were the one person they called and when they I had this. I think that like pain. two hours prior to this event, he was doing well, like matching his baseline, and then he deteriorated further and further. So in just two so. hours, his uh, yeah. lactic acid spiked. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. not not the spike, but the the whole series happened. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. It oh, started okay. like. It just he went downhill. Must be have there. started like a while ago. Mm-hmm. But like something was cooking uh, gradually, and mm-hmm. yeah, he deteriorated. Yeah. And um, so, okay, so that was kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another question. How would you recover from from something like this? Like something happened, a patient very close to you, or a patient that you that you really valued. If they don't end up doing well, how does it feel? How do you feel? Uh, it feels sad. Trust me, it feels sad. Yeah. Does it stay with you for a long time? Yes, like for two or two days, it just goes away. <laughs> That's the sad part of medicine. Like because sometimes they call us when a, when a patient uh, uh, pass away, uh, they called us the, uh, uh, to confirm the death. Oh. So yeah. So, they so, ask you to confirm. Yeah. The death? So there is a protocol. Right, like right. you have uh, to examine the patient, mm-hmm. like check the pulse for two minutes, mm-hmm. listen to the respiratory sounds, the mm-hmm. heart sounds for two minutes. Then you order ECG. It has to be like flat lines that line and if the uh, if the family like uh, in the bedside you convey the bad news Some, sometimes they are aware the patient is dying oh, okay. okay they already know mm-hmm. sometimes they are not around you have to call them you have so you have to break uh, bad news like in a way to to make to make like as easy as possible to them right, right. because you know you know they are coming to the hospital you, you don't want something to happen uh, during the way or something right yeah. mm. so you have to be very gentle in the way you break back uh, the way that i do it when someone is not around i tell him that okay you, okay uh, your dad or whatever is sick he's deteriorating uh, please come um, something might happen uh, very shortly so please come as uh, as fast as you can that's the way that i do it myself so you don't tell them no, no, no. Not Until someone, they yeah. come. Mm. Unless if they are expecting something, or you know, or they are familiar, right. they, they are familiar with the general situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Something. And I'm guessing you must also have to kind of 
judge their general state of mind like whether yeah, or not the, pr- the, yeah, yeah. the, the it's like a male or female the way they are talking to me like this oh, yeah. okay okay mm. it must take a lot of skill to to yeah, learn how to yeah, do that yeah. i could never imagine uh, it's myself hard, doing it's very that. Hard, yeah, yeah. yeah okay let's switch to something a little bit a little bit less heavy (laughs) (laughs) okay so what about what was the most fun thing about your your residency so far uh the fun things about residency maybe like uh, taking history when the patient is sick he doesn't give you like some sort of good information you try to make like uh to uh, to make like some sort of fun Mm -hmm. uh, some sort of jokes uh, we try to, like, like, to lift them up. Okay, right, no, right. you are fine. You are okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. When I was taking resident, when I was taking history, sorry, mm-hmm. we had this uh, one mother because I was I just did pediatrics, so mm-hmm. I would take history from the mother, mm-hmm. and sometimes the mother would say something and the child would say something else, <laughs> <laughs> or like I would, and the oh. child was a lot of the time the child would be like conscious and awake and alert and everything, so sometimes the mother would be like, oh my child has had a fever for the past three days, and the girl would be like, I don't have a fever, I don't know what you're telling you. Uh, this happens with the elderly, like sometimes elderly? yeah, the elderly like sixty or seventies, they don't like hospital. Okay, so well, no matter what you, I ask them, they said, no, no, no. Did you have this? No, no, no. And no, uh, uh, no, like they uh, want to leave. Yeah, yeah exactly. They want to leave. And they're like, uh, uh, and uh, the, the daughter or their sons or whoever is mm-hmm. with them, they said, no, no, no it's not telling the truth. No, no. <laughs> so you don't know who to, who to believe. So who do you trust? Exactly. Yeah. Who do you trust? Uh, I trust usually the, uh, the caregiver. Yeah, the caregiver. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, for us as well, I would, you know, naturally, I would trust the caregiver. But the child would be so funny sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and one time we had to examine this this kid, um, and he wouldn't sit down. He kept jumping, and then he was like, he's like, I want to do it. I want to do it. And he would try to, you know, use his stethoscope on himself. It was, it's a challenge, but it's, you know, it's a fun. Yeah, I don't know well, if you come across cases like that. And I am. Yes, because uh, like uh, and like in King Faisal, uh, we have like fifteen years is the cutoff age between pediatric and adult. Oh, so sometimes okay. yes, we, uh, we do like see patients who are like fifteen years old. Oh, and okay, okay, yeah, okay. I didn't know that. They act like the children, <laughs> basically. Yeah. <laughs> that must be interesting them. though. Yeah. So generally, what kind of what are the ages of people that you see? Like in general, like usually. Yeah, fifteen and above. Oh, yeah, okay. So like uh, I remember the elderliest patient I saw, he was ninety-seven year old. Oh wow! Oh, okay, yeah. I'm not ninety-seven. Uh, he was uh, he was functioning very good. He was a oh, okay. pretty good ninety-seven year old. Yeah. yeah. Mm, okay, I'm not ninety-seven. Um. Hmm. All right. So, how does it feel to to be in your in your third year now? After this, you just have one year left, right? Mm-hmm. So, how does it feel? What's it like? Uh, so it had like bonds and cons. The uh, the good thing that uh, the nurses they don't co- call me about silly stuff like uh, renewal medications, lab tests, uncontrolled mm-hmm. uh, uncontrolled blood sugar. The silly stuff that the the the, the usually the juniors deal with it. So, oh. Yeah, electrolytes and balance. The simple things. Yeah, I don't get bothered by by them. <laughs> okay. But like on the other hand, when I receive a call. Someone calls me. I okay. I know that there is something happened. Yeah, oh, okay. which is like feels more responsibility, because mm-hmm. like during my own calls, we uh, the, as internal medicine resident, we 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 don't cover only for our departments. We cover about the others. We receive like consultations from uh, from, from the other services. Mm-hmm. We cover the rapid response team when there is like a, 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 a sick patient. Something happens like for short uh, for short time. Is it like a code? Oh, blue yes. Kind? Uh, yeah, a code or like RRT is something like. Uh, uh, 
the step that below the code. Oh, okay, okay. Patient, for example, like the heart rate is beyond 130. Oh, okay. okay. Expect something. So the rapid response is activated, means that you want to catch the patient because further deterioration happens. Right, right, yes. okay. And okay. we cover for this. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. For all specialties, like oh, okay. surgeries, transplant, oncology oh, okay. patients. Yeah. Okay. Cover for that's This is very huge responsibility. You're the mm. only person covering? Uh, I am the first responder, usually as a senior medical resident, mm -hmm. but I have a SU as backup. But usually we come first to assess the patients. Uh, we assess, we take like focused history, we do a focused exam, we send for workup, and then we call the ICU for this. So it depends uh -huh. on the situation. If the right. patient is like relatively stable, okay, we take our time, but like if the patient is really sick, he is relating, Mm -hmm. No, we deal we deal with the short things like for example is is the blood pressure is low we try to elevate it right and then we involve like ICU immediately. So you said this was your first time ever being mm -hmm. a leader for a code. So how do you become a leader? How does one become? The uh, so the leader usually who is the most qualified be, uh, person uh, to lead the code. Uh, so like in all hospitals, usually uh, the senior medical residents who are usually the team leaders, ICU, uh, and sees if they arrived uh, early, uh, they can take the leads. Mm -hmm. So it matters who is the most experienced one. Mm -hmm. So at that time, I was the only physician. The, the rest, they were like respiratory therapists and nurses. Oh, so okay, I, okay. Yeah, I was certified to have uh, um, uh, ACLS. So mm -hmm. I was the team leader because I, wa I was the most qualified uh, uh, person at, during that scene. And when uh, when the senior resident came at that time, he mm -hmm. took over because oh, okay, he was okay. more experienced than me. Than oh, me. okay, okay. Yeah. So that's how it works. And do you just self-assign yourself? Like, do you see people around you and you're like, okay, I'm going to be team leader yeah, now. Yeah. You do this. You do this because you do this. Like, during the on-call times, uh, we, we have a code pager, a uh, pager specifically for code. When when the pager rings, they said, okay, there's a code in this uh, ward, in this specific room. So when I arrived there, I introduced myself. Okay, this is Dr. Muhammad. Muhammad. I am the senior medical resident. I am going to be the team leader. Mm -hmm. And then I, st I, uh, then I, uh, I take over. Oh, okay, okay. It's very interesting. One day, inshallah, maybe we will all. I mean, I hope not. You <laughs> <laughs> will never know. You will never know, yeah. Um, but um, I hope one day we're able to gain enough experience to be to be a leader, inshallah. So how are you, how is it like just managing like your personal life with, with all of this like residency and stuff and like, you know, hanging out with your friends and all of that? Mm -hmm. Do you ever miss any of that? Do you ever get, do you, you know, get a chance to just hang out with them as much as you uh, used to? Uh, no, it's all about time management. Uh, like uh, university and residency, like later on, maybe like I become a consultant, I will have like my own uh, family. Uh, it depends on how you manage your time. Mm -hmm. Like for example, I have from, from 7.30 to 5, uh, my working hours, if I don't have on calls. After that, like I, I take up, uh, I go back home, I, I eat. 7.30 to 5 is a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know, if, if I don't have on calls. Sometimes, yeah, <laughs> it lasts longer if I have on calls. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, so it depends on you how to manage your times. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to study uh, for the entire week. I'm not going to play like for the entire week. Right, right. So yeah, if, if, when I go back, I go back home. Like I eat, I take a break for like thirty to one, one hour. Then I do something. Uh, for myself, uh, every day, like I, I dictate some times to study for like two mm -hmm. maybe two hours. Not every day, but yeah. Uh, 
Oh, okay, mashallah. Yeah. Like you've managed to yeah, come yeah. Up like, on yeah, a yeah, good for schedule. like uh, two hours. Well, my patients read about uh, specific disease. Uh, we work on research. Okay, uh, okay, but nice. like on sometimes okay I st- uh, sometimes no I decide no I'm not going to stay today I'm going for example I'm going to run for example <laughs> okay. yeah so uh, I'm going right, right. Uh, I'm going to take a tour with my bike for example oh, yeah nice. I'm going to the cinema so it's not necessarily yeah mm-hmm. I have my weekends if, uh, if I don't have any calls uh, Thursday is my free day is my off day I don't study usually you know uh, what me too mm. me too yes. <laughs> Thursday, 100%. No, no, i believe you have to uh, you have to specify a, a one day for yourself no matter Exa- what that's exactly how Unless i do if it you as have well. like a final exam or something okay yeah this is an exception but otherwise you, you you have to assign a full day for yourself that's exactly mm. what i the way i do it as well because i'm like i friday and saturday are my full off days so mm-hmm. i can spend those entire days studying and this whole week i've been so busy and like doing so many things thursday i need to just not do anything yeah, because you have to reward yourself at the end like take thursday off yeah for example friday if you wake up early at mm-hmm. nine, 9 or uh, or 10 a.m mm-hmm. so you can't study for like two or three hours uh you, you can have like lunch outside with your mm-hmm. family you can't go back so you can't do like different things within the same day mm-hmm. so it's not just like black or white okay you have to be flexible sometimes, right yeah. Um, so tell us about your very first ER shift. Do you remember it clearly? And you know, just tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I remember it like as it was <laughs> yesterday. Oh my god! Uh, some memories that will last forever for, uh, with you. <laughs> I remember my first ER shift. The senior resident was very, very, very uh, supportive. Someone who I worked uh, with during my uh, internship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we made the deal. He, te- he told me about my responsibilities, what the things that I'm expected to do, and mm-hmm. the things that he will take uh, take care of. So it, w- it was light shift. Alhamdulillah, we had like three, four uh, consults during that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that we did it, he used to send me to see the patient first, take like f- full uh, history and do exam, and then I I I, uh, I go back to him. We discuss. And then we would go together to the, to the patient, mm-hmm. uh, which was w- w- which I liked uh, the most, mm-hmm. uh, because sometimes when I take uh, history, I uh, I forget I uh, I forget to 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 ask him questions. So mm-hmm. he would correct me. He, he told me, "Did you ask about that? Mm-hmm. Why did we? Uh, why you think this is important? Mm-hmm. Why are we uh, asking about this? Right, right. How it's going to make a difference uh, for us?" Uh, so uh, yeah, it, it was very beneficial uh, to me, and this is the way that's what I'm doing now to to my junior. So if we are not sh- short in time, we have plenty of time to to discuss and do things. That's what I do. I send my junior first, then I will join. Oh, okay. Isn't it a bit like sensitive though, given that it's an ER, the patient might be in like very critical. Situation? No, no, because no, we we review the chart first together. We evaluate. We review like the vital signs. Uh, the, the patient complain, the patient like mm-hmm. uh, measure uh, comorbidities, mm-hmm. and based on this, mm-hmm. uh, we uh, we decide and then we oh, okay. take so over. Okay, so if he's in very critical condition, we're not going to send that. Uh, no, no, of course, def- <laughs> okay. yes, yes, yeah, oh, okay. definitely, yeah. So it depends on the situation of the patient first, because like patient safety comes first, mm-hmm. regardless. Okay, we are in training program. Right, I agree exactly. with that. It's like uh, patient safety. Right. This was. was what matters to us at the end. And how would you think, how would you say that ER feels different from like inpatient or outpatient? Because uh, in the ER, the patient, like, uh, they are fresh. They are just presents to you. Uh, uh-huh. So you have to figure it out what's going on with you, uh, with them. Mm-hmm. 
So that's why it's important to take very detailed history because whoever is going uh, after you, he is going to read your notes. Right, right, uh, right Yes, right. and sometimes they make judgment based on this. So you have to take very detailed history because sometimes the patient, uh, they, uh, they are confused, their level of consciousness is not that good. Sometimes they don't have a caregiver with them. They mm-hmm. are elderly. Uh, so mm-hmm. you face like uh, different situations, mm-hmm. not not typical scenario when a bitch like healthy who has have like just fever, mm-hmm. he is walkie talkie comes to you. But it's not uh, this. This is mm-hmm. not always. Uh, yes, sometimes it's very challenging. Uh, sometimes even the examination. Sometimes it's very challenging to the examination. Sometimes the patient is not allowing you. The patient is. And like, you're entirely on your own. Yeah, sometimes yeah. Oh my god. Especially now, if, uh, no, no, I am, uh, I am a senior, so. So, because uh, in in medicine you have to call the second in call, whoever like a fellow or assistant consultant, mm-hmm. some someone who is who is uh, in his home might be sleeping. So you have to uh, you ha- uh, you have to take their opinion. You have to take the plan from them. So uh, uh, so so this depends on your judgment, on my right, judgment. Right, like right. yeah. So uh, so I, what I do like I take like full history, do full physical exam. I review the charts, the mm-hmm. medications, uh, everything. Then I have to call the second call who is at home or might someone be sleeping. Sometimes I call like at 3 or 4 a.m. Uh-uh. And sometimes they be, someone see who is really sleeping. Like, <laughs> you see someone is in deep sleep. Uh, some, sometimes you struggle because you have you, you, you have to take the, the, the full, okay, I can't initiate my plan. I can't initiate my work. But sometimes you have to uh, get a second take the, Yeah, take mm-hmm. second opinion and the, the rest of the plans from the, from the expert or mm-hmm. someone who is more senior than you. Do they ever yeah. mind? Do they ever get mad at you for calling them at like 3 a.m.? No, no, no. They don't. They don't mind because they are on call. They are expected uh, to. Ah, so they, okay. But like sometimes they don't answer. It happened. It Uh-oh. happened with me. They don't answer. You call once, you call after like 15, 20 minutes. There's still no answer. Okay, what I'm going to do? If the patient is stable and I can initiate my plan on, on my own, okay, it's fine. I can't delay things. Sometimes, like, a patient comes at four. If the patient is stable, I'm, I'm confident with my plan. Mm-hmm. I can't, like, wait till six to call the second and call. Okay. Sometimes I, I do it even like if I, don't, I don't just call immediately. I just wait sometimes. Okay. There's. There is nothing urgent. I have mm-hmm. this plan in my mind. I initiate. I I call this guy uh, who is at home sleeping. <laughs> okay, I did this and that. Uh, do you want to add anything else? So most of the time, they agree with me. Sometimes they have something to add, and that's it. And what happens if it's an urgent situation and he doesn't answer the phone? Uh, for me, if, uh, uh, I call the consultant immediately. Okay, give like uh, 15 minutes. Uh, window uh-huh. yeah after that if it's not answering I call the consultant it happened with me yeah. but like it's a very fast paced job you have to yeah. like make sure you call immediately yes, make exactly. sure they yeah. answer make yeah. sure you get the stuff done mm. and then start mm. the management oh mm. because I think it's your responsibility mm-hmm. uh, it's your responsibility you are the one who saw the patients so uh, the whole thing depends on your judgment your clinical assessment right mm. And how do you manage your like stress level? Because this all sounds super stressful to me. So how do you manage your stress? Uh, believe me, when you uh, for myself, I work uh, much better and hard when I am like under stress. I function much better during stress. You don't know, like God gives you this energy. <laughs> like when a patient really sick and infuriating, I think very fast. Uh, I take like very, for for me, like when I am in a code, uh, when when I am like in a code, for example, and patient is 
is coded text. Like for example, in a case of cardiopulmonary uh, arrest, mm-hmm. the patient is dead. Actually, actually, the patient is dead. Medically, yeah. I guess. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's actually dead. No, not medically. It's actually <laughs> oh, like, dead. Okay. So my job, like, bad Allah, is just to, to bring it to to bring the patient back to life. Oh my God. So yes. So under stress, Subhanallah. Maybe this, I guess, from God, this mm-hmm. give uh, give you the uh, the strength uh, to think fast. To, to make like fast decision mm-hmm. yes that's probably one of the most important mm-hmm. things about being a doctor you need mm-hmm. to be able to think yes, super quickly course, on, yeah. you have to you, you have to handle patient's your life stress. is on the line yes yes you have to handle your stress because sometimes uh, it's you you only the barrier between death and um, and the patient but Allah just you are you're mm-hmm. only you are, you are in the middle okay so what you are going uh, it will uh, will matter then yeah all right and if I were to ask you like what is some advice that you might have for for the fellow colleague, for your fellow colleagues, or just anyone who's listening? Because a lot of people will be listening to this, inshallah, like first years, second years, third years, anyone. If you had ad- advice in general to give them, what would you say? Okay, uh, I totally understand that medical school is tough, mm-hmm. but like I did it. You are going to do it, inshallah. I made this before all of you. Mm-hmm. So, inshallah, you you, uh, you will gonna over this uh, by time. So, don't worry, okay? So, if you are like just started your first year or second year or like your clinical years, uh, this period of time will become a memory uh, one day, uh, inshallah. Mm-hmm. What I want you to focus just to work on yourself. This starts from your day one in, in university, and I, I really mean it in your one. Uh, because medical school, medical school is not just about like attending classes, taking exams, and just take a certificate mm-hmm. after like five, five or, or six years. It's totally beyond that. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, I want you to, uh, to work on yourself, to build your CV, uh, gain as experiences as much as you can, learn things get to know more people, uh, build friendships, uh, because at the end, this is what matters to you. It's not just the certificate. Mm-hmm. The certificate is just a paper. It's uh, the things that, what you are going to do within the, these five or six years. That's what uh, what will matter to your future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want you to focus, especially like when you start your fourth year, to have to have a plan. What are you going to do uh, with your future in terms of like specialty, uh, residency places? If you are like considering uh, U.S., mm-hmm. U.K., Germany, whatever, you have to have some sort of plans, so you don't get lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want you to uh, to study as much as you can, to have fun. As uh, as much as you can. That's like two ends of a spectrum. Uh, I know, but like you have to to, to make a balance. balance. Like uh, yes, mm-hmm. as I ju- as I just said, if you have a hobby, don't leave it. Okay, Let's try to work on it. Uh, try to grow it. Uh, grow, uh, grow with it. Try to make yourself better. For example, if you like uh, like uh, playing football, mm-hmm. playing like once a week, this will not harm your future. Trust me, just two or three hours. Uh, if you do, if you go to the gym, you can go like twice or three times per week. It's not you don't have to to go like every day for mm-hmm. like three or four hours. Mm-hmm. It's just about a balance. Right. Uh, go outside, have dinner. Like so, you're really mm-hmm. encouraging us to have a balanced life. Yes, yes, have a balanced study life. at the same time. Do because everything if else. You do like study uh, during all the times. Mm-hmm. You you don't have like social life. You, uh, you're stuck at the end. 
يعني how, how important is your social life to you? Yeah, it's 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 very very crucial to have uh, some sort of uh, social life. I don't mean like to go every day. Right. No, just if you go like twice per week, mm-hmm. you do something like for a short period of time, like on daily basis. If, if you go like run for 30 minutes, if you go just walk for 30 minutes per day, this will not harm you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, uh, the other way around, like this g- will give you like this will refresh your memory mm-hmm. uh, this will give you like uh, more uh, more energy this will help you in like fulfilling your other duties oh right for right. like if you take like short break when you resume your work okay you will not okay you will you you still have to do more you feel rejuvenated yes, kind you of. will have like like the capacity to, oh, to okay, do more okay. yeah mm, okay so what was um so what was one thing that you've learned so far Some most th- important thing that you've learned I have learned. I have learned to always uh, work on myself to mm-hmm. be a better version mm-hmm. of myself. And th- this is this is continuous. This does not like by one day or another. It's like more of lifestyle continuity. Everyone that's listening mm. to this is going to take your advice and really generally mm. apply it. Especially what you said about the the balanced life, and then again now working on yourself. Because now, if you, if you go back uh, to check about like our our colleagues who mm-hmm. are now, mashallah, like in the U.S. or mm-hmm. in the U.K., like they are doing excellent. They are chiefs. Uh, the the secret that they uh, they work on themselves earlier than the others. I think this is the secret. Oh, really? And they have some sort of like uh, consistency. Mm-hmm. Okay, they they have a plan. They stick to it and to work at the end. And this will will, will uh, pay off uh, at the end, inshallah. Well, I hope so, inshallah. I'm gonna try my best to incorporate that advice um, into my daily routine, and I hope everyone else listening as well is able to, you know, really apply that um, to themselves. Okay. Um, well, um, Dr. Muhammad, it was it was a pr- pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for thank you us. so much for the invitation. Thank you so much for sharing everything with us. Uh, I'm really glad to be here with you. <laughs> um, I always like. I, as I always say, this is my second home. I always will be belong to Al Faisal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Al Faisal, what what made me uh, what made me the way that I am uh, right now? It's the place where, where I shape my personality and what, what I learned, the skills that I gained, everything. Yeah, but Allah it belongs to Al Faisal. I'm really really glad. Like you know, all of us, we really want to be something like you, mashallah. Like you know, inshallah, you know, even you, you know, inshallah, inshallah. So. Like it's just something like it's a dream, you know, mashallah, what you're doing is something that all of us would, you know, want to accomplish, especially myself, considering that I want to do um, cardiology, inshallah, or, you know, that's one of my top options. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing all your stories with us and especially your life lessons. I think it was really, um, it was really important for us to hear that. Um, And uh, thank you so much to everyone who's uh, tuned in to listen to us this evening. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode and I hope you guys learned something as well from uh, from uh, Muhammad not Dr. Muhammad Um, yeah that's all thank you so much and uh, we'll see you again inshallah